0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today's a QA episode, and I have three questions I want to dive into. But first, before I do that, I just want to go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So, if you are sick of just focusing on weight loss and instead want a body recomp, then my one on one online coaching program is for you. I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. There's also at least one or two bottlenecks I figure that we figure out that are keeping you from seeing the results you want that are not related to the training and nutrition program, right? This is this could be lifestyle factors. This could be mindset factors. Uh, but either way, these typically are keeping people from seeing results more than they think. And we uh, dive into that. Um, if you're interested in it, the link uh, to that is in the show notes um, and we can continue this conversation moving forward, or you can reach out to me on Instagram and we can continue the conversation from there as well. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues you have and or map out a game plan. So if you're interested in that, you can reach out in the link to it's in the show notes. If you want to learn more about body recomp, you know what it is. I have my 75 minute masterclass on it, what it is, how to do it. And you can find the link to that in the show notes as well. Next, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. That's where I'm most active on social media. So if you have any questions, you can reach out there. And then lastly, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review and that will help more people find this podcast. So with that out of the way, I want to dive into today's question. So my first question is reverse dieting for fat loss. I dove into this a little bit more and they were just asking if reverse dieting can work for fat loss. this is a myth uh, that I see, right? Um, and so I just want to go over all this. So it, you you do need to be in an energy deficit to lose body fat. So that's the most important thing. That's where we need to come from with this is it, it, in order to lose body fat, you must be in an energy deficit. Okay. So that must, that means you need to take in less calories than you're expending. I've talked a lot lately about what goes into that. But again, if you're not seeing your weight trend down over time, you're not in an energy deficit, right? You do need that for fat loss. So That's how I want to start this. Now there I I do want to hit on the reverse dieting a little bit more because I do think there's some myths and like what it can do. Uh, and, And so I'm just going to start off by saying there is no magic to reverse dieting from a fat loss perspective. Okay. It's myths are sort of overblown. And I'm going to dive into those. But just want to briefly touch on if you or or a client is stuck from a fat loss perspective, you either need to run an energy audit, okay, to see if you're potentially missing out on any energy discrepancies, right? Whether that's from a movement standpoint, maybe you're not expending as much as you think, or from an energy inside of things, you're consuming more calories than you think you are, right? And this is typically what I see happen here, right? They're, the person is consuming more calories than they think they are. And it's not that they're doing it on purpose. It's just that it's easy to overlook calories. So that's, in most cases, that's what's going on. It's not necessarily the movement aspect of it. The Because while we do have some sort of control over how many how much energy we expend throughout the day. A lot of it is not in our control. Movement's really the only thing we can do there. Other than that, it's up to your body in terms of how much you expend. So what do we have the most control over? That's the energy inside of things. And that's the thing that that's usually the one that's going to vary the most from day to day. And it's the easiest to consume more calories than you think. The other time too is if you're stuck and you've lost say 10% or more of your body weight, you may need to get back to maintenance calories for a bit of time. There may be a little bit of this adaptation that's going on, it's going to be tougher for you to continue to lose more weight. You're going to have to really push through things like hunger, cravings, and it can just be really tough. At this point, for some people, it's better to reverse out. We'll talk about this, get you to your maintenance calories for a bit, focus on adding muscle, just getting out of a deficit, an energy deficit for a period of time, because there are some downsides that come with it. And then returning back to a deficit later on at at another period of time. But let's say you haven't lost more than five to five to 10% of your body weight and you're stuck from a fat loss perspective, it's most likely an adherence issue somewhere along the lines or a lifestyle slash like mental issue that needs to be addressed. And what I mean by that is, and they go hand in hand, the lifestyle mental side of things could be factoring in. To them eating more calories than what they than what you or they think they are so what i mean by that is if you have a lifestyle that you like to go out to dinner a lot or you like to go out to restaurants a lot you like to consume a lot of al- alcoholic beverages like those are going to be it's going to be tough to maintain a the the energy the to be in the correct energy the energy balance that you want to be in for fat loss which would be an energy deficit or from a mental standpoint maybe you're not great at being okay with some hunger. Maybe you have an all or nothing mindset, right? Those are going to be things that could potentially lead to you consuming more calories than you think you are. And again, a reverse diet, is it going to be the magic here? It's finding out, dialing in that adherence side of things and and, and troubleshooting what exactly is causing you to not be able to drop this weight that you want to, or this body fat that you want to. So again, in order to lose body fat, we need to be in an energy deficit. There is no magic to reverse dieting. Now, what I want to go through here are just a couple myths with reverse dieting and how I would implement these uh, with a client. So Here's my definition of a reverse diet, because I I think there's, again, I feel like people don't maybe think that reverse dieting is this like method that you can increase calories and lose more weight doing it. Uh, And that's not what it is. okay So that's the big misconception that I've seen with a reverse diet. A reverse diet is a period of time following a fat loss diet where you gradually increase your calories back to your estimated maintenance calories. This is a strategy I use with clients, but its benefits are commonly overplayed and there's some myths surrounding a reverse diet. So, I just want to hit on what some of these are, and then we can, then we'll come full circle here on this. The most kind of common uh, myth that I see here with this is that, oh, hey, I'm stuck. I'm not able to drop weight. So, I need to do a reverse diet. I need to eat more calories to to jumpstart my weight loss. And so, this is a myth. So, there's two scenarios here that happen. So, one, you have a lot of diet fatigue that has accumulated. So, hunger, cravings, low energy from being in an energy deficit for a period of time. So, this is where it starts to, this is, this would be a bigger, deal if you were somebody who's lost like more than five to 10% of your body weight, right? So it's you've lost, let's say you were uh, 170, you've lost 17 pounds, you're at 10%. So you're now 153 and it's, things are slowing down. It's, oh, I need to eat more calories now to jumpstart my weight loss. And that's not the case, right? It, what's going on here is that your body is starting to fight this weight loss uh, a, a little bit more. And because of that, adherence becomes challenging you're hungrier so it's tougher to moderate the food that you need to you have low energy so you might not be moving as much so again these are all tipping the energy balance closer probably to maintenance versus your energy deficit so that's like the first big thing that happens is the diet fatigue kicks in and what was once your energy deficit may not be and or it's just tougher to stick To that energy deficit now, because of the fact that you have higher hunger levels, you've been at it longer, your motivation for it's a little bit lower. So again, you are just closer to your energy maintenance versus your energy deficit. And adding in more calories isn't necessarily going to jumpstart this right then and there. The second uh, thing that happens with this is maintaining an energy deficit consistently is really tough, right? Especially if you go at it alone. So what I see happen a lot of times here, and this this would be more common for Somebody who maybe has lost less than five to five to ten percent of their body weight, but they're just having trouble dropping that weight. Uh, but maybe they're saying that they're consuming twelve hundred calories. What happened a lot in these scenarios is somebody's eating twelve hundred calories or tracking twelve hundred calories. But again, there's some mistakes going on accident. They're actually consuming more than they think. So that's one. Another thing that happens here is somebody is actually eating like 1200 calories during the week or during periods of time, three to four days out of the week, and they don't track and they end up eating 3,400, 400,000, 4,000 calories per day. And they end up being at maintenance uh, throughout the entire week. Uh, Cause it's not like you're in a deficit for one day, you lose X amount of weight, you're good to go one day. You're not, it's your body works on a longer time scale, right? If you're not in that energy deficit over time um, and you're closer to your maintenance uh, when you average it out you're not really going to drop weight, right? And this is where I see a lot of people fall in this category that think, oh, if I just reverse diet, I will uh, drop weight. But what's going on is you're consuming 1200 calories a couple of days a week. And then the rest of the time, you're closer to two, three, four thousand, 4,000, and you end up being at maintenance for the rest of the time. And so what happens here is you end up seeing What sometimes can happen in these situations where people are like, oh, reverse dieting works. It's this magic is you tell somebody to eat 1600 calories now instead of 1200, and they're actually able to stick with that through through longer periods of time. And that actually gets them into an energy deficit over long periods of time. So then they see their their weight trend down, but in their head, it's, oh, because I'm eating more calories now, I need to, now I can drop weight uh, because of that. But really it's the adherence aspect to it that is causing you to drop weight. So that's the most common one uh, that I see. So a few other myths uh, that I'll see here with reverse dieting is it's going to increase your metabolic rate from previous numbers. There's a myth that by reverse dieting, you're going to see an increase in your metabolic rate over your previous maintenance calories, right? So people think that if they reverse diet, they keep adding in calories, their maintenance is going to continue to go up. And and that's not uh, necessarily the case. What is going to happen is that if you actually have been in a deficit, again, you've lost 5 to 10% or more of your body weight, you've seen your weight trend down, is that as you get closer to your maintenance calories, uh, you will see your metabolic rate start 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 to tick back up again as you get closer to maintenance. And this is in most uh, situations, but it's not necessarily going to be higher than it was the last time you were at your maintenance, unless maybe you've added a little bit more muscle or unless you've added muscle. But again, if you did, that might just increase it slightly there on that. So that would be a one, one time when or where that could happen, but either way, it's not going to increase how many calories you can eat at like maintenance. Another myth is it's going to make your next fat loss phase easier. It's not going to make future fat loss phases easier. How your body responds to an energy deficit is very individual. Some people will just always have a tougher time than others. In this particular person, you may just see more side effects like higher hunger levels or energy levels, higher cravings, stuff like that. Again, adding muscle can make future fat loss phases easier. And just more experienced fat loss dieting will help you in these phases, but reversing your calories back up will not make future fat loss phases easier by just reverse dieting. Again, you could be somebody that benefits from taking a break from fat loss dieting and that in turn helps you in your future fat loss phases, right? But reverse dieting itself isn't going to necessarily cause you to be able to lose weight on more calories, if, if that makes sense. And then the other myth too, is that you're going to get leaner adding in calories going closer to maintenance. Part of the reason you stay lean is that you slowly add calories and you're still in the energy deficit for a period of time. I also think it's more of an illusion because body fat takes time to accumulate. So you don't really notice it, right? So you're increasing your calories you still feel lean because you're still leaner than you were before. This takes some time to accumulate. So it's, you get the sense of, Oh, I'm lean. I'm eating more. This is some like magic thing going on. So you think you're able to eat more and stay lean, but over time that does catch up. You may also have been really restricting calories. So adding more calories helps you with hunger, cravings, energy levels. You end up moving more throughout the day, right? So that's obviously going to help there. Or like I mentioned earlier, adding in slightly more food means you can adhere better to the deficit. So that's obviously something that could be going on, right? It's easier for you to actually be in a deficit because you have a little bit more calories to work with, but you're not getting leaner because you're reversing your calories. And so here's some truths to it and how I use it with clients. With reverse dieting, it helps make sure you don't overshoot your maintenance. Okay. We use this with clients to help make sure they don't overshoot their maintenance calories. And because most people just wing their post-diet period, it's like they restrict, they lose 10% or more of their body weight, then they just go back to doing what they were doing before, and that weight's just going to come back on. So, by slowly increasing their calories, it helps them stay on track and ensures they don't overeat following their fat loss diet. There is going to be some weight gain following your diet. Okay. When you increase your food intake, you will see your weight go up slightly. Uh, You're basically like a dry sponge ready to soak up anything and everything. However, if done right, most of this will just be water weight increases and not fat gain, uh, unless you overshoot for an extended period of time. Plus, you're just going to have more food in your body at any one time, which can increase your weight. The leaner you are, the more likely you don't want to reverse diet. So if you're sub 15 to 17% for f- females and sub 8 to 10% for males, you likely want to get back to maintenance ASAP. Uh, whereas if you are over these numbers, a reverse diet will be better for you if you want to stay leaner uh, a little bit longer again, the main goal of this is to get to your maintenance calories. The main goal of a reverse diet is to get you from a deficit to your maintenance calories. And you're only in a deficit if you've seen your weight trend down. If you haven't seen your weight trend down over time, you're not in a deficit, right? And it's an adherence issue somewhere along the lines uh, there with that. So the main goal of the reverse diet is to get you back to your maintenance calories as this will lower any fatigue you had from being in a fat loss phase. Uh, So that's my thoughts on. Reverse dieting. Again, that's not this magic thing. It's not going to jumpstart your weight loss, right? That's most likely an adherence issue that's going on there with that. And it's really just there to get you back to your maintenance calories, right? If any, if anybody's using reverse dieting in any other way, it's you might want to check out what their actual definition is of it. I think that's probably where people get most confused is they're just not 100% sure on the definition of it. Again, it's used to get people back to their maintenance calories following a deficit only if you saw your weight trend down, right? Because if you haven't seen your weight trend down, you're not in a deficit and it's not because you're not eating enough calories or anything like that. It's just from an adherence standpoint, right? We know an energy deficit is tough to get into. And so you need to check, you need to run an energy audit if this is the case. So hopefully that makes sense. So my next question here is on, are there any side effects to women taking creatine? This is a very common thing. I feel like a lot of women end up missing out on creatine's benefits because there's a lot of myths surrounding it. I am going to talk about water weight here in a minute, but there's no downsides to women taking uh, creatine, okay? So many women would, would benefit greatly from taking creatine, especially if you're somebody who doesn't eat a lot of animal-based proteins. You would really benefit from creatine even more. I just wanted to go over a few things here. There was a paper, Creatine Supplementation of Women's Health, a Lifespan Perspective. This was from 2021, and I'm just going to read the abstract here on this. Creatine characteristics vary between males and females, with females exhibiting 70 to 80% lower endogenous creatine stores compared to males. And due to the hormone-related changes to creatine kinetics and phosphocreatine synthesis, supplementation may be particularly important during menses, pregnancy, postpartum, during, and postmenopause. Uh, Creatine supplementation among premenopausal females appears to be effective for improving strength and exercise performance. Postmenopausal females may also experience benefits in skeletal muscle size and function when consuming high doses of creatine and favorable effects on bone when combined with resistance training. Preclinical and clinical evidence indicates positive effects from creatine supplementation on mood and cognition, possibly by restoring brain energy levels and homeostasis. Creatine supplementation may even be more effective for females by supporting a pro-energetic environment in the brain. And a good sign there, one of the main takeaways from this was creatine supplementation, or where was it that supplementation may be particularly important during menses, right? So you're talking menses from your 13, 14, 15 on to to when you're pregnant, then postpartum after you're pregnant, and then during and and postmenopause. So really throughout the entire lifespan, right? It's going to be beneficial uh, there for that. Again, I think the strength benefits, muscle benefits are going to be the biggest uh, there with that, but they're starting to show a little bit more cognitive brain benefits as well too. I think this is a no-brainer supplement. There is one potential downside that kind of ties into the next question, but we'll dive into that in a second. And it's not even really a downside. So hundred percent, we want to take creatine. I think it's again, a no-brainer and it, and it's a low risk one where it's, it, it's not super expensive and it can have a lot of benefits. So it's low risk, high reward, low cost, low risk, high reward to me. Five, gram, five grams a day is going to be a solid option there on that. So 100% want to, would want somebody to take creatine. Now with creatine, it's not going to be something that you're going to take and notice like caffeine, right? You do want to stay consistent with it. You want to make sure that you take it daily because it does take a little bit of time to saturate in your muscles and whatnot. And so we want to make sure that we are taking it regularly uh, versus, oh, I'm going to take it here and there and whatnot. And I would take creatine monohydrate is going to be the best source for it. It's the most studied, cheapest form as well. And also like it is found in some pre-workouts, only downside is you would obviously need to take that pre-workout daily to get the benefits. So uh, buying creatine monohydrate on its own is probably going to be your best uh, bet there on that. So yeah, hundred percent, no downsides. And if anything, there's a lot of upside for women, particularly to take creatine. So this is, this is going to wrap up my last question here. And it goes hand in hand with the first question. How quickly does the scale increase after starting creatine and, and what's a typical increase? So, first. This was the kind of the only potential downside, right? There is this kind of thought that, oh, if you take creatine, you're going to gain a ton of water weight. But again, it's just going to pull water to your muscles. And if anything, it's just going to make them look fuller and, and bigger, right? So more defined and more toned. So it's going to be a benefit anyways, but not everyone's going to gain weight from taking creatine. It's very individual. So this isn't like you're going to take it and you're for sure going to add weight. So the one potential downside is that, that you might, your water weight might increase a little bit. But it might not happen for anybody. And if anything, it's a good thing because it's going to help your muscles look fuller and more defined. If that's the one downside of it, okay, Uh, again, makes it no brainer. However, I would say, again, it's going to be individual if you're going to gain weight or not on it. And again, this is water weight. This isn't fat mass. You're not going to look bloated or anything like that either. So let's say that maybe you are somebody that potentially might have your water weight increase slightly when you take creatine. I would say, look at a span of one to four weeks after starting creatine. If you see your water weight, if you see your weight spike up a little bit, I would, and it's been one to four weeks since you started, you've been taking it consistently. Look at that, right? That one to four week time span. I don't have an exact number here. If anybody knows that would, you know, I'm I'm all ears on this, but I would just, in that one to four weeks after taking it and I see scale weight spike, we're going to just be looking at, Hey, you started taking creatine. This could be it, right? There's not going to be this like exact precise way of knowing for sure. And this is where maybe you can dive a little bit deeper, right? So if your movement or caloric intake hasn't changed much, but scale weight is increasing in say that one to four weeks, then I would say it's pretty safe to assume it's just from adding in creatine. So this is where, again, like monitoring your caloric intake can be helpful, uh, monitoring your movement can be helpful. Whereas if you're just not tracking that stuff and then you see your scale weight spike up after taking creatine. Is it the creatine or did you just start eating more? Do you start moving less? I, I think a lot of times this is where you could get in your head with this. And uh, again, tracking can be super helpful here to, if this is something that is is an issue to, for you, right? Because it's, if you are eating the same and movement is the same, it's okay. Even if you saw your scale weight come up a little bit, it's, you're not gaining body fat at that point. As far as like how much, Again, this is going to be hard to say. I would say anywhere from one to seven-ish pounds. I'm just I'm just throwing a number out there uh, to be honest, but I would say that could be what in terms of water weight is anywhere from one to seven pounds. So don't be alarmed by that, especially if nothing else has changed. Now, obviously if you had a ton of events, uh, you started eating a lot more, you might want to look at that. That's probably a bigger factor than the creatine. So I would say anywhere from one to seven-ish pounds is completely normal. But again, just tracking it and being aware that, hey, if I just started taking creatine. This could be affecting things. is, is going to help you there with that. So would hate to see people miss out on the benefits because of the water weight uh, aspect of it, which again, doesn't happen with everybody. And if anything, it's going to help your look overall. Yeah, just my thoughts on creatine. Hopefully that was helpful. So that's it for this episode. If you guys have any questions, let me know and I will chat with you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhealth.net. See you next time.